your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome to Minnesota Week here on Off Tackle Empire. We are, uh, oh, we might as well be in Minnesota because uh, it's, well, it's like a Minnesota summer here. It's like 35 degrees and raining. No better season for it, don't you know? We're getting a little spring football. And um, as far as the uh, recap of 2017 is concerned, Minnesota did manage some wins that were fairly convincing, uh, but only against dumpster fires. And you look at their Power 5 wins, they defeated Oregon State, which <laughs> was so bad that their coach voluntarily resigned and left his money on the table. Yeah, he just quit. He just walked away and said, I, I don't want, you couldn't pay me to do this anymore. Uh, and then... When you look at the overall trajectory of Minnesota's season, it's not really difficult to piece together that there were some issues behind the scene, given what happened with starting quarterback for most of the season, Demery Croft, after the year concluded. Um, and oh, you mean <laughs> how he wasn't a team player and like he he um, he it was all his fault, right? That and the the statement that he made after the season was one of the weirdest uh, responses to a thing like this I've ever seen in my life, but. You couple that with the fact that they ended the season with two blowout losses. One to Wisconsin, which is never a good feeling for Minnesota. And then one at the hands of Northwestern, which was a pretty good team last year, but should not have beaten this team 39-0. to One um, wonders if they accidentally damaged a door on their way out of the locker room that game. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is both of those losses came with Minnesota sitting on five wins for the year. That would have meant bowl practices, would have meant a lot of development for a pretty young team with a new head coach. So not likely the way they wanted to conclude the season. As you mentioned, the only teams they defeated in conference play were your fighting Illini, which, you know, fighting is a bit of a misnomer at the moment. But they only beat them by seven points. Jeez, they let us hang around. Yeah, and then a blowout win over the... Um, defeated and stabbed corpse of Mike Riley's Nebraska program. Who had already had coaches throw the players under the bus. Yeah, so those are the two wins that Minnesota managed in conference last year. They started 3-0 and against, as you mentioned, a rather unimpressive non-conference slate. Um, maybe they thought the Oregon State team would be a little bit better when they scheduled them. Historically, you know, that's probably not the case. Um, aside from that, you know, like you said, they, they've got... It doesn't seem like Fleckmania has really abated much. I would have thought last year probably would have caused some of that initial fever to break a little bit, but it doesn't seem to have. So if you're in the boat, apparently you can't see if it's leaking. Well, I mean, there were a lot of avid Sam Hinkie fans even to the last day. We are, of course, talking about the uh, former 76ers manager who coined, who attempted to trademark the phrase, trust the process. And to be sure, they ended up being right about him, did they not? I mean, so maybe there is something to this. Well, no, they had to fire him to get somebody that would finally turn that momentum into something. Sure. So if the only result of Fleck's regime is that he brings in enough talent for his successor to win with, then I think Minnesota fans will probably look back at him somewhat fondly. But yeah, it's, it's early and it's time to be making any of these conclusions. I think they'll look back on him somewhat fondly like 10 years after it happens. Uh, certainly not in the, first, in the few years following, just because, man, has he got them whipped into a frenzy. Uh, off-season stories is just P.J. Fleck was P.J. Fleck and... Um, they unveiled these new hyper-elite uniforms that were lit AF fam, if I understand correctly, and Row the Boat is everywhere, and I guess Hyper is now joining it. Some acronym that he came up with because he's totally not Tim Beckman at all. <laughs> well, Tim Beckman still had some hair left on his head after he'd been coaching for a year. So. That is true. Basically, I think the next motto that they need is WINT. Whatever is necessary today. So, you look at their offense... 
PJ Fleck creamed the <laughs> yeah. uh, cr- straight up creamed the quarterback. Except creaming usually implies that there's like an obvious reason why. Um, well, yeah, it's not. I don't think they're winning anything big with Demry Croft. If we're being fair, it's not like there was really indications through most of the season. You know, the Michigan State game where they fell behind by 30 points and then were allowed to play against Prevent for most of the second half. That In that game, he looked like Aaron Rodgers. For most of the rest of the season, he did not look like Aaron Rodgers. Um, not to say that that's what you have to look like to be a decent quarterback, but it, it was fairly apparent that he was not going to be the long-term answer, and he still had two years of eligibility left. So if there's better use for his scholarship spot than keeping him on the team, I guess from this mindset, you may as well be done with him. But when you look at returning production on the offense, they really have two known quantities and then a whole lot of question marks. Um, Rodney Smith is a decent, probably somewhat underrated running back. Not an eye-popping guy from a stat standpoint. Well, he, he's an accumulator. He's not a big yards per carry guy, but they're going to they're gonna give him rock a lot. He's going to accumulate pretty respectable stat lines by the end of the year. Um, he's a guy that you can count on to get a few yards. Yeah, now Flex pattern of usage with running backs suggests that he usually wants three guys. Two guys who take most of the carries and then a third change of pace guy. That was what he had with the excellent group at Western Michigan. That's what he did last year. The problem is Shannon Brooks, who would have been a natural 1A option there, is already out for the season. Uh, and Kobe McCrary, who was their third guy last year, uh, graduated. So they're short a running back and a half. They'll probably find that they have any number of bodies. But again, most of these guys are just names on depth chart. Now, in terms of other skill positions, Tyler Johnson is a decent wide receiver, and he's really all they've got. And again, most of his stats came in just two games. For most of the rest of the season, it's hard to say if he just fell off a bit or if he was a victim of the Minnesota passing game at large being very dysfunctional for most of the season. Well, I mean, this is a young team, which is a phrase that I've said in every single preview thus far. I mean, if they were doing anything that really resembled their offense uh, last year, it... It, it kind of didn't show a lot of promise. But, again, you know, when you look at Flex tenure at Western Michigan, you had a similar start. This one was actually nowhere near as bad as Western Michigan's first year under Fleck, uh, where they, they had an FCS loss. Right. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he thought coming in that he wouldn't be able to do quite the same extent of a teardown in Minnesota that he did at Western. Maybe it's just that there was enough leftover talent in a place like Western, you can kind of quietly have a 1-11 season and nobody's going to really like... You're not going to get pitchfork mobs and stuff after you. I mean, you can't really get away with something quite that drastic at Minnesota. Yeah, and and like I was getting at, it, it may be that it wasn't totally necessary anyway, that there were players on the team capable of fitting into the fleck vision for what Minnesota football is going to be, whatever that is. Well, the offensive line, I think, is the strength of this offense because you have two redshirt seniors... Uh, you have what looks like a stable depth chart. Uh, you have, in fact, their top incoming recruit. Uh, their two top incoming recruits are offensive linemen who are, are not seeming to be likely to get uh, immediate playing time, but reportedly one of them was uh, pushing for a starting guard spot. So the offensive line is looking like a strength of this group, and for a group that wants to you know, ground and pound it, can't ask for a whole lot more, but I think it's going to be an awful lot of Rodney Smith. Yeah, he's... Like we said, he was always going to be the lead back, even if uh, Brooks had been around, but with him gone, it may be that uh, Fleck opts to change his distribution of touches a little bit. We'll see how that goes. Um, I agree with you, even if it's only in a relative way that the offensive line is going to be a strength of the offense, because outside of Rodney Smith and to a lesser extent Tyler Johnson, they just don't have much. 
Um, defensively, what do you see here? Well, you have a defensive line that, despite losing... They only lost three players, but they were key parts of the rotation. In spite of that, um, they still do have a lot left left in this rotation. O.J. Smith um, is the anchor in the middle, uh, but everybody is saying in you know spring training that this redshirt freshman that they had uh, sitting out last year is Sizi Otomewo. I'm butchering that, I'm sure, but he's supposedly the truth. He's supposed he's supposedly one of the best defensive players that P.J. Fleck has seen. Of course, you always take everything that you hear in spring training with a grain of salt because you know everybody always comes in in the best shape of their life. And but yeah. uh, still, the the defensive line uh, should not be uh, a particularly big issue for Minnesota. Yeah, and that's even with I think they still had Richardson and um, Akpe last year, but those guys are both gone now. So. It'll be important that some of the younger guys Fleck has brought in are ready to go here. Um, from the linebacking perspective, Thomas Barber was a solid guy for them last year. Um, they have a pretty good group established there. That, that, that wasn't really an issue for them last year. Um, you know, Defensively, they did show some fight initially. It felt like the last few games that we mentioned down the stretch, maybe some things sort of fell apart. There were definitely multiple games where you could see that the defense just couldn't hold their breath for the entire length of the game with the offense struggling the way it did in some cases. As an Illinois fan over the last couple of years, I can tell you that by the end of a season where the defense is on the field for a long time and the offense can't get anything going and the defense is playing a ton of snaps, man, it just gets to be demoralizing. And, you know, you, you get to feel like uh, it's just not it's just not ever going to matter. So, you know, you get out there and fight, but... You can never have that extra level of motivation that comes with knowing that, uh, you know, you can really keep this team in the game. Yeah, and so to complete our positional review here, in the defensive backfield, they'll miss Duke McGee for sure. But other than that, you know, last year they had a lot of injuries. Um, they'll have Antoine Winchfield Jr. back, so that's it's, it feels as though Minnesota usually has a standout or two in the back end and then guys who are just kind of there, not particularly remarkable but certainly not liabilities and then as they age usually one or two of those guys steps forward and becomes the main guy so that's not a bad situation to have for defensive backfield they could they could be in a worse spot there with Winfield Jr. coming back and what else we'll see is with McGee gone is if that is in fact the last of the uh, cheap shot artists that we see in Minnesota backfield over the last few years because who boy um (laughs) just can't say enough about uh about how terrible that whole era was of the Minnesota headshots. We, we really hope that that's gone. Yeah. Um, spe- we mentioned a couple things earlier as far as the recruiting class goes. A couple of offensive linemen where usually the plan for building a long-term program is to keep those guys under wraps. They're most likely going to be featuring their new starting quarterback, uh, Vic Viramontes. That might be a name that some people remember. He was a one-time Michigan recruit. Um, I think maybe Jim Harbaugh's first quarterback recruit at Michigan. Um, they ended up moving on you know, in a different direction from him. He went the junior college route, and now he ends up in the Big Ten after all at a different school with a big obnoxious yellow M on their helmet. Um, so he's likely their starter. But quarterback, obviously, like we said, is very much up in the air with Demery Croft being escorted from the building and Connor Rota graduating. You'd figure that the uh, that Vic Vermontes is going to be given the keys. So I, for one, am excited to see the genesis of Velvet Vic Vermontes' vehemently vigorous Veer offense. This V6 does, in fact, have a twin turbo, and uh, I, I hear that it goes over 9,000 RPM, red line. If anyone has uh, photoshopped a picture of 
Viramontes with a nice Stetson or another classy performer's hat, forward that to our attention um, at the Off Tackle Empire Twitter handle, if you would, please. Yep. V6. That's our boy. Now, recruiting class, uh, well, you'd figure that they're probably, you know, in the top 20 in the country based on the amount of hype that you had about this, how, how he's just, you know, he's just doing things never thought possible and, you know, that nobody else is thinking to do and he's just got everybody buying in almost to, re- to a religious degree. You would figure wrong. Yes. Uh, 37th nationally, 7th in the Big Ten. Certainly not uh, bad by any means, but... Oh man, if that's uh, all you're selling, then you want to see some more on the field this year, is what I'm saying. Yeah, the way that he achieved the success he did, speaking of Fleck, of course, at Western, was by lapping the field in his conference in recruiting. There was such a vast gulf between what he brought in at Western Michigan and what the rest of the MAC did. Western Michigan out-recruited Illinois for a couple of those years, by the way. I mean, Not just Illinois, a couple Big yeah. Ten teams. They out-recruited just in raw, not like relative to the rest of the conference or whatever, but on paper, just like straight talent comparison. Yes, they had a lower tier Big Ten recruiting class while Fleck was there. The comparable thing for that with what he now has to do with this step up in difficulty would be something along the lines of top five classes every year because that's the only way you're going to get talent edge on Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan is to recruit at that level every year. He hasn't done it and he hasn't really come all that close. Now again, it's still early. But man, he hit the ground running at Western. So if you expect to see results in anything approaching the time frame that he had in Kalamazoo, uh, he's got to pick it up on that in that aspect. Yeah, uh, that explosive growth that that we heard uh, about as a as a projection is not really likely to repeat itself. A few years down the line, we'll see what a fully fleckified program is going to look like. But there's going to be more growing pains. Well, let's talk Turkey then. Looking at their schedule, what do you see coming up for them this year? Well, I see a really interesting, completely off-topic thing. New Mexico State is their opening game, and New Mexico State went to a bowl game last year. For the first time in 57 years... They're operating as a true independent, too, aren't they? Did they get kicked out? Oh, yes, I believe so, because they... kicked out of the WAC? No, 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 no. They had been in the WAC. The WAC dissolved, and then I want to say they did some time in the Sun Belt? I but mean, it's in a sunny enough part of the country. I'll yeah, about <laughs> half of the WAC made it into the Mountain West. Some of the WAC ended up kind of latching on to some of those other conferences, but uh, a lot of the guys that were kind of isolated, such as... Uh, Idaho. Yeah, <laughs> Idaho, New Mexico State, were not quite so fortunate. So, yeah, New Mexico State has never been defeated in a bowl game. They are 3-0-1. So that's the... I mean, that's their season opener, correct? Um, yes. And, uh, and I'd be surprised if Minnesota lost this game. Uh, Fresno State, after that, is a historically strong group of five program, and Jeff Tedford takes the reins there. So. Oh, yes. No, what happened here was Fresno State, of course, it had a, a good run of success. They completely imploded a couple of years ago, and Jeff Tedford brought them back to 10 wins uh, in his first year last year. So that is suddenly a dangerous team again. Yeah, and then... After that, they do get Miami of Ohio, which that'll be their um, that'll be their week off as far as opponents go. Looking across the rest of their schedule, crossover games at Maryland, at Ohio State, and versus Indiana at home. So a couple teams that are in their same tier where you expect all these teams to beat each other up, that mushy middle that we always refer to, uh, and then you get to go to the horseshoe. So put that one in the L column. Uh, looking across the rest of their division, it's hard to imagine they're going to take enough of a, 
of a leap to challenge Wisconsin on the road after the horse whipping they took at home last year. Wisconsin has the thing rolling. Even if Minnesota takes a big step forward, I don't think they're really going to be in the same building as Wisconsin. So, you know, much like we discussed with Maryland, you can kind of rule out two games right up front. You can probably put the Miami game in the win column, but most of the rest of these, honestly, I think Northwestern on paper should really be better than Minnesota. (laughs) You know, that's the other thing we see every year is Northwestern always seems to be one of those teams that people refer to as, oh, we should be able to beat them. Uh, But the fact is, with their recent track record and what they've got coming back, they should be better than Minnesota. They should win that game. So I'd put Northwestern as a probable loss. But then you look at the rest, you've got Iowa fairly early in the season for homecoming, the road game at Maryland, Um, you have to go to Nebraska, and then you've got that three-game stretch in the middle of the season where you play Indiana at Illinois and Purdue um, at home. So those three games feel essential to how this is going to come out for Minnesota overall. Really, that yeah, those last two weeks of October, first two in November, are going to determine everything. Because I think they're probably going to end the season with a couple of losses. They're certainly losing that Ohio State game earlier in the season. If they get to bowl eligibility, it's going to be because that four-game stretch, I think they probably have to go 3-1 and one in there to be assured of a bowl. Well, I mean, really, they sh- there's no reason for them to win fewer than two non-conference games. Um, and then there's a, there's a decent chance that they take that third. So you can definitely, you don't have to look too hard to find three conference wins in here. I'm actually pretty interested to see what happens in Minnesota and Nebraska. Minnesota absolutely blew their doors off last year, but that was a, a totally uh, different circumstance. You had an embattled head coach, but you have a much more talented team in Nebraska um, going against a team that is not going to be all that different than the one that dominated them. Yeah, so... That one will be interesting. Something in the 6-7 to seven win range really feels right here. Anything worse than that, and I think there's got to be serious questions about whether there might be a little bit of snake oil in the water up in Dinkytown. I kind of would disagree with that because I think as long as they don't go below four wins, I think that we're going to keep trust in the process. Um, I think that for anybody to really start souring, for any of the Minnesota fans anyway, to start souring on Fleck, uh, they would almost have to go over in the conference slate at this point because... You know, they, they don't really see anything on the horizon at quarterback. Uh, Fleck, of course, has the whole thing with the running back situation isn't how he'd like. And, of course, it's a thing where you've got to get your guys in there in theory. Yeah, I get that. But, like I said, I mean, it's not like Jerry Kill and even um, Coach Snorlax, Tracy Clays, left this program at the bottom of the pit of endless despair. I mean, there were decent players on the roster. He inherited most of this offensive line. He inherited Rodney Smith. He inherited some guys on the defensive front that were difference makers, albeit most of them are now gone. So, you know, it's not like he left as bad a situation, he was handed as a bad situation as, say, Lovey Smith was. You'd expect with this schedule to at least get to a bowl, because with the development that he's trying to do here, those bowl practices are meaningful. You missed out on that chance last year because you laid two eggs in the last two games of the season. Just don't repeat that. Just end the season on something of a high note. And if it involves a bowl game, then that's that should be a good enough high note to satisfy a fan base that he's heading in the right direction. Well, really, the principal reason, that not so much those two games before, but because they, they threw away one against Purdue. They they lost narrowly to Iowa, and they also had a close game against uh, Maryland slip away there. So they lost several of their winnable games last year. It remains to be seen, I guess, what they'll do this year. I think that their floor is 3-9. and nine. I don't. I don't think they're going to get to a bowl this year, but that's just me. I mean, I can't say that with confidence, but I'd, I'd peg them about five wins. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire!